Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's already won me over in spite of me. So don't be alarmed if I fall head over feet. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Ah, Benjamin. Hola. Hola. So for this episode, we have a special guest. Her most recent record is called Open Book and has received all sorts of accolades. Just look at 2019 Best of Lists, and rightfully so. A video for her song Escape was recently released, and I'm not crying, you're crying. So uh, please welcome to the podcast, Kaylee Shore. Hello. Hi, guys. Did, Did I say the name right this time? You did. You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast episode, we ask the all important question, what t-shirt are you wearing? So let's start with Wayne. What t-shirt are you wearing? My tattoo guy bought his own building for his shop, moved it down the street from uh, his former shop. So I am wearing a shirt that I got as a grand opening promotion from Brazen Heart Tattoos. And fine art. All right. Sounds like maybe we need to have Brazen Brazen Heart as our uh, first sponsor. Oh, I, you know what? I'm I'm in the chair uh, in a couple of weeks. I'll bring it up. There you go. There you go. All right. So, so Kaylee, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a black flag shirt, actually. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah. So there's this great shop in Silver Lake um, in Los Angeles called Gimme Danger after the Stooges. Um, and uh, they basically take like old, they find they find a lot of old vanities, but they also take like very old vintage shirts and then they screen print stuff on them. So I have like this really cool Nirvana sweatshirt and it's all stuff that's like totally one of a kind, but it's just this like absolutely shredded to bits black flag shirt. And um, I'm very fascinated by the um, 70s, 80s LA punk scene. So it's, it's one of my favorite shirts. All right. You just became Wayne's favorite guest ever. Favorite guest. Favorite guest ever. Black Flag kills ants on contact. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so I am wearing a Not a Surf t-shirt that I've worn before in honor of getting their last album on vinyl. And I've been spinning that uh, heavily. It's been in heavy rotation. So giving a little I, shout out I, to I, one of my favorite bands. I thought you were supposed to get a G Love shirt at the show last. Yeah, yeah. I believe I pro- you said you would. I I did say I was going to, didn't I? I probably shouldn't have put that on on record. Uh, I get there and uh, he had some weird, weird, uh, weird designs, but the the best designs were black t shirts and the best kind of t shirt for you. I mean, you live in Washington, so you can wear black T-shirts on a regular basis. For me, it's February. It's already in the 80s here in Florida. Like, black T-shirts. I feel like just, you'll spend a lot of time inside. Uh, I think it'll be okay. I, You know what? Uh, yeah. So I just didn't. So I'm sorry, G. I really, I really am. I had every intention of buying a T-shirt, and I still might because I did go on his website. He does have some white T-shirts. So I still I still may partake, but I just didn't last week. But by the way, uh, if you have an opportunity to see G in concert, go see him. He was 
fantastic. Really great show. Thanks. Okay, Kaylee, we haven't forgotten about you. Sorry for that long diatribe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so I got to tell you that you're you are one of my favorite Twitter follows. Like, oh, I, thank you. <laughs> I, like, do you ever have a filter on? No, and here's the thing. Like recently, you know, with the album, um, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say, like, nothing I've done has broken through quite like my album. And it's so unfiltered and everybody's favorite song on it is called F you forever. I'm like, okay, well I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, I guess. (laughs) And I recently um, tried to join the Gen Zers and uh, get on TikTok. And I love TikTok because I can even be more unfiltered on there than I am on Twitter. Cause like, nobody who's going to be offended by my sense of humor is get even going to take the time to download TikTok, you know? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So um, I really appreciate that. My Twitter is my pride and joy. Uh, I love it. I, I, there's a couple of people on Twitter that I just follow just because I want to hear what unfiltered things that they're going to say. And so you're, you are definitely, definitely one of those. Do, do you feel like, <laughs> do you feel like your honesty and just kind of leaving it all out there has, has opened more doors or closed more doors for you? No, I think it's absolutely opened more doors. And I think that there was a a significant period of time because my first single I ever put out, Fight Like a Girl, really hit on radio. And I was like, okay, this is my path. I'm going to do this very commercial thing. I'm going to keep chasing this. I'm going to write all these up tempos, whatever. Um, And, you know, it worked enough for me to still keep doing music for a living, but I never had that moment where I was like, okay, I'm, I just felt like I was just on this plateau and nothing was like really incredibly inspiring me. And then I made my EP awake, which definitely laid the foundation for open book. And then being that unfiltered has been what made people pay attention. And so many more people have found my, my work because of that. And it's, it's so validating to be completely unfiltered and have people love your work because it's like, Oh, oh, this is like the core of who I am and, and you're down. That's great. Love this. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I, some people hate it, but that's what good art is, I think, is, is polarizing. There you go. Yeah. I I had no idea that, you know, you had the, the Fight Like a Girl song that was, I guess it was popular on Radio Disney and that, and that kind of uh, pop sensibilities. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Yeah. And that, I like love that because i mean i'm still very proud of that song i mean but i wrote it when i was 20 you know i'm obviously 25 and emotionally 48 now so (laughs) (laughs) um but it's it's funny to hear you say that because that was like the song i had to play at every show and the song everybody wanted to hear because if they knew me that was what they knew me from and now you're like oh even though you did that i'm like that's so cool (laughs) that group that followed you for fight like a girl were they are are they are they cool with the F you forevers? Are they cool with you talking about dating a holes in your song, Gatsby? I mean, <laughs> are they have, have they have they come along for the ride or have they jumped off because they're like, oh, she's too risque? No, I really think um, it's the I guess crescendo has been very gentle, um, and some of the main factors for why I don't think that that's true is because my fans have a grown up with me. Yeah. So when there were 16 year old girls listening to me when I was 20, you know, they're 20 years old now and they've all dated an a-hole and have someone they would like to say F you forever to. And I also like, I think that fight like a girl that 
the press I did around it and the story behind it. Like I wrote it about the gender disparity in country music and it's very, I was very open about the feminist undertones. And I, that was a time when like, you know, this was almost five years ago. People were still scared of the F word, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, meaning feminism, not you know, whatever. Right. But um, right. they were like, uh, I think that I attracted fans from the beginning who were just like a little bit more open-minded. And, um, and then the third factor I think is people saw the very publicly uncomfortable and um, tragic period of life I was going through. And I don't think anyone was expecting me to put out sunshine and rainbows, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that they've stuck around. Yeah. So you were, you were part of that um, CMT next women of country tour a couple of years ago. You were, you're, and you're also part of the all women Nashville songwriting collective called song suffragettes. So you've been pretty vocal about, you know, the, the, getting equal airplay and i think and maybe i'm wrong but i think that it's it's finally starting to move it's still slow moving but or or maybe i'm just a dude and think that there is a movement in that respect where females are starting to get more notice in in country music you know it's i i think that they are getting very um kind of roundabout ways like country radio still refuses to play Casey Musgraves but she wins um album of the year at the Grammys and I think that I would much rather win album of the year at the Grammys than have a fleeting number one on country radio for one week you know yeah um and you know you you just see women continue to evolve and grow and I mean Marin Morris being featured on the middle with that that was huge you know and that was a roundabout way um, of doing it. So I think that, you know, they're finding a way, but it's still not exactly what it used to be. Um, and I don't think it ever will be. I think it's just going to make us rise to the occasion and the challenge and be like, okay, well, you're not going to do this for me. Fine. I'm going to make a trail and go down that because you're not letting me on yours. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I was looking at, um, so I was looking at some top 10 lists uh, from, from last year. So uh, the big one I think was that you were on New York times top 10 open book was, yeah. was uh, what number seven on John Karam Manica's uh, list. So that's, that, that's, yeah. that's Pretty awesome. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one other th- list that I looked at was stereo gum and mm-hmm. Did you did you happen to see their top ten? Yeah. So, so Tyler Childers was the only guy on their best country list for for 2019. Everybody else were females. So you had Kelsey Walden and you know the high women and Marin Morris and and you. Um, so given that that critics are are kind of tuned into that the women are making fantastic records. So what's the deal with radio? Why, why are they just not, not jumping on that train? You know, it's just such an outdated process. And I think that the problem with it is like Spotify and Apple music and and YouTube, you know, you maybe have like six or seven real gatekeepers there. Right. But country radio and terrestrial radio in general, but especially country is set up like a web and each city and market has a gatekeeper. And so when you're coming up against country radio, you have to get past, I mean, 
120 to 200 gatekeepers. And they'll send you on a radio tour for eight weeks where you go to a million different radio stations and get up at, you know, five in the morning. Guys can wake up at seven and roll out of bed and get there, but the girls have to do their hair and makeup. If you show up underdressed, like they'll, you'll essentially get demerits for it. And that's very true. Um, And it's just like, it's such a weird process. You know, no other genre operates like that. There's this emphasis put on the artist being personable. And like, I am a people person and I love meeting fans. I, I love doing radio stuff. And I'm just very much so that kind of person, but that's not really my job, you know, like, and if I didn't want to do that, and I didn't want to like be around people for 28 hours a day. Like um, that's okay. Cause that's what art, it, like art is art and not, you know, how you, how funny you are at seven in the morning, but Petra radio doesn't give a crap about that. And you get penalized for it. If you're not like, you know, a Powerpuff girl. Right. Right. Well, let's hope that the divide changes soon. Um, I do have to ask you this. So, so considering that, you know, your song fight like a girl and there's a couple songs that kind of, kind of are aimed at us dudes, um, for being a-holes to, to women. So if I, if I come to a, a, a Kaylee concert, what, what, what does the audience look like as it's in terms of gender and age demographics? Am I going to, as a 50 year old dude, am I going to really stand out? <laughs> No, not at all. And that's the best part of all of this. And and especially like, you know, Fight Like a Girl is taken purely from a positive standpoint and it's very internalized and not like, oh, look what we're up against, but more like, look what I'm going to do about it. And that's so much more like my general style. Um, but as far as the audience goes, like it is the f- most fun thing to watch, especially after like seeing the audience change after like, you know, being on the New York Times podcast and all the end of year lists stuff because i see all these like really like like hipster music fans who like you know have the curled mustaches and they're sitting there bobbing their heads and i'm like (laughs) and they didn't used to come to my shows before and now they're there and i'm like yes i made it you know (laughs) the cool kids like it um no but i think that you know i a attract girls who are my in my age demographic and, and living through similar things that i do but also you know i'll see like 50 year old divorced women in the audience screaming F you forever. Like they have never screamed anything in their lives. And then also like, you know, I have a a pretty big rock nineties rock influence in my music. So I see a lot of older guys there who like my music because it reminds them of that, you know, because lullaby makes them think of third eye blind because, you know, too much to say reminds them of, of a long source set, whatever, mm-hmm. um, just the nostalgic aspect. So it's, it's a very diverse crowd and I could not be more proud of that. That's cool. So let's talk about a couple of the, the the really personal songs on the record. So Lullaby and Escape, probably two of my favorite songs on, on the record. Talks about Thank your you. struggles with relationships and uh, your unfortunate uh, uh, sister's drug addiction and, and her death, um, which I can just imagine would rock anyone's world.
what what other escapes do you have besides music? Yeah, you know, I've I've definitely had to find things to lean on because that after going through all those things, like you know, music wasn't enough. I was like, okay, what else can I do? Um, I would say first and foremost, like I really dove into spirituality and um, I got really into yoga and finding out that that was a really great way to handle anxiety and depression and just to like be comfortable being alone. And, and I mean, I really firmly believe that when it comes to nearly anything, the answers are always within us. We just need to find them. Um, Nobody wants anyone's advice. You know, you want someone to say the thing that you want them to say, you know, you already know what the answer is when you ask what dress you want to wear. You know, I mean, you get it. I I don't know what it's like when you pick out dresses in the morning, but, but, but you know what I mean? You know, so that's been, yoga has been really great. Um, And then just like really great friends. And my album was written entirely with people who are very close to me. Um, And that's not always the case. And then you go in a room and you meet someone for the first time and, you know, you get a great song, but with these songs, they were so personal. I had to write with people who were totally fine with going there with me because it was such a scary time, you know? Yeah. So, so for lullaby, is it hard for you to, really follow the lyrics of, you know, letting it go and putting this to bed, especially when you have to sing that song every night? Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely, I am such a feeler, um, and it, especially when it comes to music. And so when I'm singing these songs every night, like, I'm back where I was when I wrote it. And it's definitely, like, something I have to mentally prepare myself for because they're such emotional topics. You know, I don't think it's ever going to, be completely easy to sing these things because they were such big events that have shaped me that I'm thinking about. But the, I think that if I do start to get a little bit sad on stage or, you know, especially during like the world keeps spinning or escape, looking out in the audience and seeing like the look on people's faces who needed to hear that song that night makes it all completely worth it. And that's, that's why I put out a record that was like this. So we're going to do something different. So we've talked about all of these these really 
um, tough lyrics and maybe that they're a little sad. So we're going to talk about happy things with Kaylee. You, you ready? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of questions. These are all things that make me happy. So hopefully these make you happy as well. All right. Ready? <laughs> yeah. Pu- puppies or kittens? Puppies. Okay. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? I have a cat though. Um, oh. Coke. Coke? All right. Red Bull Coke. or Monster? Red Bull. Uh, what is your favorite runt candy? There My are favorite no- what candy? The runts. Runt candy. Oh, like, oh, the the banana ones? Yes, the banana ones. That's that, runt? Yeah, the banana that, ones. The green ones are yeah. good, too. The correct answer is banana. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, good. <laughs> all right. Uh, Funko Pops or bobbleheads? Or do you even know what those are? Oh, of course I know what those are. Okay, um, Funko just Pops. making sure. Funko Pops, yeah. Yeah. I just saw the coolest one, Wayne, uh, of Def Leppard. And, yes, Rick, <laughs> Rick Allen only has one arm. In the fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. Android or iPhone? Um, iPhone. Uh, vinyl or streaming? Vinyl. Dolly or Reba? Oh, my God. That's a tough, I, I know. tough question. Um, you know, I will say I, I grew up on more Reba, just given the time. Like, I was a Reba fan by the time I was six, and it, I didn't really really dive into dolly till i was probably like in my early teens so we'll go with reba just because of chronological reason there you go uh willie nelson or kenny rogers oh i am such a kenny rogers fan he is just so suave he is but i also Uh, would love to um uh you know hang out with willie if you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) we know yeah we understand (laughs) We did uh, we did a Willie uh, Willie record uh, a couple weeks ago with Roger Harvey, who is definitely he's all about the 420, and um, yeah, so we get it. All right, you live in Nashville now. Yes, I live um, between Nashville and LA. So Hattie B's, what do you get at Hattie B's? Okay, well, I as of I've been one on and off for most of my life, but I am a vegetarian, like a pescatarian now. Oh. So I don't eat hot chicken anymore. But um, I mean, I liked when I ate it. I ate the extra, extra hot chicken. But their mac and cheese is incredible, and I used to live across the street. And even not eating the chicken, I still got in trouble there all the time. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So I switched jobs last year, and before that, I had to be in Nashville for a couple of clients like two or three times a year. And I miss, I miss Broadway. Um, but the one thing that I miss the most is Edley's barbecue. Did you ever go to Edley's? Oh, Edley's is great. The Nana pudding is the best. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, you like bananas. I love that. I do too. I, I do. I do. Um, I really should reach out to Edley's to see if they want to be a sponsor. <laughs> and I, I would, I would love that. Um, and guys, they, we're giving you free advertising right I'm, now. I'm telling you, I'm giving it <laughs> serious advertising right now. So, you know, and if they want passionate reads of commercials on the podcast, I would totally deliver on the passion, especially when the, I would be talking about their smoked turkey. It's the bomb. Okay. Um, I digress. All right. Worst online purchase. Worst online purchase. Oh my God. Uh, I got pretty drunk a couple weeks ago. 
and I was sitting in bed, like I, I came home and I spent $50 on the Sims replay on the <laughs> iPhone app. Oh no. $50. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, I was like, what have I done? And that is not normally what people think the morning after a night out when they're saying, what have I done? Normally it's a little bit edgier, right. but uh, it was equally disappointing to a bad, um, to any other bad decision. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for the song that comes from that. From that, so, uh, that'll be great. All right, uh, to tie in with the record that we're going to talk about, so Dave Coulier or John Stamos? Oh, oh um, John Stamos. Yeah. Okay. I, f- I figured everybody was going to say that. I even I have a crush on John Stamos. Who do, who who doesn't? Yeah. So all right. Um, all right. So one last question. This ties into all of our episodes because we ask all of our guests this question. So Toto's Africa, good or bad song? Oh, great song. Have you heard the Weezer cover? Uh, I'm I'm lukewarm on the Weezer cover. I I'm I guess I'm because it's kind so of, close to the original. Yeah, yeah. They could have done something a little differently on that, but it still makes me happy. Do you know what happened the first time though? Because like. Basically, like, you know, there was a Twitter account, Weezer cover, yes. Africa, whatever. But then they, to be snarky, did Rosanna instead. Yes. And then they put Africa. But the Rosanna one is so good just because, like, the Rosanna shuffle is so satisfying. And River's voice on it is incredible. So I, like, kind of fell in love with that first. And then uh, fell in love with the Africa cover after. But it's an incredible song. The melodic changes are sublime. Yeah. Yes. Wayne, well, Wayne, Wayne doesn't like. Toto's at. Henry Rollins just punched himself in the face. Uh, okay. All right. So, so um, Kaylee, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose Drummond Please, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Yeah. So as soon as I got the email from your management of what your record choice was, I texted Wayne and I think both collectively we both said, oh, yeah, makes sense. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is such a compliment that people can like hear that, you know, because it just is one of the best records of all time. It it really is. Well, I'll gush on it as we go through the record. So uh, were there any other records that you thought about besides Alanis? Yes. Um, Third Eye Blind, self-titled. Mm. Um, Vertical Horizon, Everything You Want. Um another good one or uh maybe brand new eyes by paramore those are kind of the ones i was trying to pick okay pick from oh we'll we'll definitely have you back on for third eye blind that's one of my favorite records of all time so oh my god it's so good it's really good they're one of my favorite band they're probably my favorite band of all time okay even even with steven kind of being um a jaguar (laughs) they say don't meet your idols and i haven't yeah, that's, intentionally. <laughs> that's 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 kind of yeah. that's kind of how I'm gonna keep it as well. Um, let's get some bio info on Jagged Little Pill. So released on Maverick Records on June 13th, 1995. You guys know Maverick Records? Who who was the uh, who was one of the co-founders of Maverick? Madonna. Madonna. Uh, yeah. Um, it was not. Ex- I love trivia. Yes. So this this record was not really intended to be um, a big seller. And then K-Rock got a hold of it 
and played You Ought to Know as the lead single. And um, that just kind of set everything in motion. Um, she worked with Glenn Ballard, who was the producer. And if you want to see a, an impressive resume, go look at Glenn Ballard's resume of production work. He's worked with everybody. Lots of Michael Jackson records were done by him. And um, yeah, amazing. Everyone forgets he wrote Man in the Mirror because he did Jagged Little Pill. And I think that that's like the goal is to have a song as big as Man in the Mirror and make people forget about it. That's and reinvent yourself. Yeah, that song was just huge. You yeah. know? Yep, absolutely. So you guys know how many albums this has sold worldwide? 33 million. Yep, 33. Oh. You must have looked at Wikipedia the same as I did. So, there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, shockingly, I like I just read a lot about this album while I was making mine because I was so inspired by the way she made it just by like locking herself away with Glenn because um, that's exactly what I did with my producer. And so I fell down like a massive jagged little pill rabbit hole as I was making my album. Um, and I also have a really weird photographic memory. So there you go. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I'm assuming that you read the really great article from entertainment weekly a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think it was like on the 20th anniversary yeah. around that time. I'm going to quote yeah. from that article a few times for this episode. Cause it was so, so awesome. Um, so I like this quote from Guy Useri, who is the uh, Maverick A&R guy. He's also Madonna's manager. Um, he said, so on, on the founding of Maverick Records, he said, people thought we'd primarily be doing pop artists or dance artists because of Madonna. So Candlebox was the first real moment where people were like, oh, okay, we get it. If Candlebox put us on the map, then Alana's put us on planet Pluto. So yeah. Um, anyways, so, um, let me see if I can get Kaylee's reaction from this. So this is also from that article. Uh, it said when you ought to know first came out, a lot of reaction from the radio stations was we can't play this because we're already playing Sinead O'Connor. They were playing one oh female artist, so they couldn't have a second, but they changed. Thankfully, it's still patriarchal, but then it was really patriarchal. I remember playing festivals around the world and it was me and 27 guys and sometimes Bjork who wouldn't look at me. That, that came from Alanis. So. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's like just the same way that it's so hard for women in country. It's the same way for women in rock, but the difference is it's always been that way for women in rock. Um, and country like fluctuates a little bit more. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the record and go track by track. And as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. So, Wayne, how many songs on this record? Uh, Twelve plus a bonus track. Yeah, so I made the executive decision on the number of songs we'd score. So I'm going with the CD version of this this album because that's what I was originally familiar with. Um, but then yeah. I just... I just bought the record a few days ago, uh, mostly because I thought it was a travesty that I didn't have this in my collection. So there's only 12 songs on the vinyl. There's no track 13 with the remix of You Ought to Know and the hidden track. So 
but I'm still going to stick with, we're still going to stick with the CD version. So that means top song is going to get 13 points. Nick's favorite 12 on down to our lowest score of one. So let's start it off. Here's all I really want. So this is a good way to start the record, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Either of you listened to some of the deluxe version of this record with the commentary? No, I did not. I listened to that one time. Um, I'm a way bigger fan of the the acoustic version of the album, though. That's that's a gem. Yes. I love that as well. Um, So apparently the whole sweater backwards thing was something that... uh, Ballard pointed out to Alanis and then she turned around and wrote those lyrics. And that's like the first lyrics of, of this song. So, and did you guys realize that it's the demo version is really the version that's on this record? I guess the record label wanted them to re-record it. Um, and they did a couple times, but this is the early version that they came back to because this just kind of captured all of it. So thought that that was that was interesting so i guess my question for you kaylee is are there any demo versions of any of your songs on any of your records or your eps Hmm. you know i really thought about releasing like um a project called like open book first draft and have some of the demo versions of the songs um or like work tapes or whatever but I've never really released um, a demo version of of really anything. But I mean, the stuff about we built a lot of the tracks on Open Book in the studio the day we wrote them, though. So I don't know if like that's what you would consider a demo. But I I really firmly believe that your first instinct when it comes to music is normally right, and then when you beat it to death, that's when it loses its magic. And so I think that that's probably why this song has so much of that raw tension in it. I to- totally agree. Uh, so, so based off of looking at everybody's scores, we um, we collectively all really love this song. So, what is it about this song? Is it the is it the lyrics? Is it the the angst? Is it what what is it about this song that just sucks you in and makes you want to keep listening to the rest of the record? I mean, I think it's just one of the best opening tracks of all time. Um, it really sets you up for the record. It really feels like a thesis statement for what the album's going to be. And it's like, oh, oh, is this going to stress you out? Oh, okay, well, um, this is just what it's going to be. And then it's like, tells you so much about her personality before you even get into it. And you know so much about her and it gives you all the perfect background to listen to the rest of the album. And sonically... I think it's so interesting and hooky and melodic. Um, 
in the most interesting, unexpected ways. Great. Yeah, I love the way it starts with the big guitar and just a little bit of harmonica, which will play a bigger part in other songs, but it's just a little bit in the beginning and then at the end again. But yeah, this even feels like this has bigger concept feeling like almost like a wake up call to her generation. Like, well, our generation, all those 20 somethings, you know, this is what we really want is peace and some patience and some, you know, all of these things that we're, we don't have at that time, but it's super angsty. And like I say, I really like the heaviness of it because it does set you up for what my favorite parts of this album are. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get some scores on this. Haley, your score. Um, I believe this was 12. Yes, Wayne. Yeah, 12. 11. And I'm matching your 11. That leads us to You Ought to Know. This is the um, this is the, the the first single off the record, and I alluded to Full House earlier. So this is <laughs> also known as the the song that everybody says is about Uncle Joey. But um, yeah, it's uh, I think it's about a lot of different people from 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 a couple of interviews that I, I heard from Alanis. Um, she said a couple people have tried to own it. And she's like, why would you want to own that? <laughs> right. Why, why, like, like would, would any of your exes really want to, to, to uh, own up that F you forever is about them? Um, no, the only feedback I've heard from the ex through the grapevine was that he thought it was too literal, which feels like probably the douchiest thing you could possibly say. <laughs> So, I mean, he is out there telling people it's about him. So, who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. He also say no press is bad press. So, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, I heard, yeah, I had that, I heard something recently that it was about Dave Galea. One of my favorite things is I love How I Met Your Mother. And they they play this whole thing with uh, the Robin uh, character where she was a, Canadian. She was a pop star in Canada, much like Alanis Morissette. Then they do this thing towards the end of the series where she becomes Robin Daggers and it's, she's totally a, an Alanis Morissette spoof. And then they have all these Canadian uh, guys that it could be, you know, that are the, the subject of her, whatever her big angsty song was. And it's Paul Schaefer and Alan Thicke and <laughs> hockey players. It's and hilarious. Stuff like that. It's yeah, it's, it's, so it's great. Sandcastles in the sand. <laughs> oh, so good! James, yeah, the '80s came to Canada. The '90s, uh, the '80s didn't get to Canada until the '90s. Yeah, that was there. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, I did have one quote from Milana. She says, 55 people can take credit for this song. And I'm always curious about why they're doing it. But Dave is the most public about it. Well, I just, I love how much of a, like a, a zeitgeist this song still is 25 years later. I saw a viral tweet on Twitter that was like, what if we found out Truth Hurts by Lizzo is actually about Dave Coulier <laughs> <laughs> And it had like a hundred thousand retweets or something crazy like that. And I was like, can you just imagine writing something and having this like conversation around it that people are still talking about like that much later? It just, it cracked me up. That's, that is so awesome. And I know that, um, uh, Kaylee, we're we're gonna date ourselves because we're how how old were you when this song came out? Like six weeks old. Um, <laughs> I would have been. This came out July of ninety five. Yes. Um, I was a year old. Yeah. So this song was everywhere, which really I think surprised a lot of people, considering that you know the use of the f word in songs was like. You 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 kept those for the album tracks. Those were not singles, and this was a single, and it was everywhere. It was a top ten hit. It was a number one alternative song. Yeah, it was just cr- crazy how much you heard this song. Well, this whole album, like I say, I was I was <laughs> dating a twenty five year old girl in nineteen ninety five, and so and she this so this was on all the time. It really changed. I, it was like their anthem, even though. I mean, they couldn't, they, my girlfriend didn't relate to it completely. I mean, this whole record was was incredibly important to them. Somebody was finally saying something that wasn't, you know, pretty or nice. It was like this whole thing. I mean, I think it gets confused as being angry. She's not angry. She's in complete pain. This She's like in total survival mode. She's just like coming off the rails. The way she captures it, and, and like I say, I love how it starts. It kind of builds into it and really just goes completely off the rails i mean she's you know looking in the window she's knocking on the door it's she's in she's very hurt and she is and and she's it's raw it's completely raw i remember hearing this song when i went through my first high school breakup and i mean you know i was like 16 17 but it was a pretty dramatic tumultuous relationship and we've been in a band together and it was so cliche but at the time period you know it was that first real betrayal and I'm I'm really think that you ought to know was one of her first um you know moments like that too she was very young when she wrote it and I remember hearing the line every time you scratch your nails down someone else's back I hope you feel it and I was just like that I remember where I was when I heard this song and I heard that line and I was like it just it hit a part of my soul that's like just completely a songwriter and it inspired me just that one line to just try to capture that emotion like that because it's so reductive and so succinct and it says so much in one sentence like that could the song could just be that one line on a loop and it would get the point across. <laughs> yeah, I, I still you know? like the most important line is uh, you told me you'd hold me until you died, but you're still alive. So you're, you're alive, alive and I wish you were dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just so and it's so not overthought. It's it's just an incredible, incredible piece of work. It is. Uh, you know what sucked me in for, for this was her, the lines of, because the love that you gave that we was, yeah, I can't even do it because it's just, 
the it, love that you gave that we made with the name of the movie. Yeah, just melodically crazy. Oh, it's so awesome. So, so good. We hear, here's, a, here's some facts of the musicians that are on this that I was like, uh, why did I forget these facts? So Dave Navarro's on guitar. Flea is on bass. Ben Montench is on the organ. That's wow. that, that's that's. I don't know about Ben. Yeah, the one person missing because there is not a human drummer on this album is Taylor Hawkins, who she took on the road. Because um, I I saw this tour live in the Gorge. There you go. I saw him at a coffee shop last year, and I almost lost my mind. And I was like, "Don't say anything! Don't say anything!" <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's get some scores for you. Ought to know, um, Kaylee. Uh, 11. Wayne. Uh, 13. Yeah, this is my 13 as well. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to more scores as we go through. All right. Here's the next song. This is perfect. I got to say that this song was as high as my 11 at one point this week. And then the more I listened to it, it kind of slipped a few notches for me, mostly because I kind of hate how she sings a few of the lines where uh, I'm doing this for your own damn good. You'll make up for what I blew. What's the problem? Why are you crying? The I know she was trying to go for the whole raw emotion thing. And at first it worked for me. And then uh, I don't know, the more I listened to it this week, the less I, Less I enjoyed that part. What do you guys have to say about perfect? I think, and I, it's part of it because this is my least favorite song. It's not because one of it, part of it is because it's hard. Like as a, a parent, you know, your kids feel this way, even though you, you try as, and I know because I was a kid and I felt this way. My parents weren't going to win any awards, but they weren't abusive or neglected. So that's part of it. But really the biggest issue is it comes off of this other song that's that has every it, it's way up there and it just feels like the bottom drops out and I'm laying flat on my back. And so the tempo and the whole kind of feeling of the song, just it, I'm just, I feel like I'm just dropped. Yeah. And we talk a lot about the sequencing of stuff. Do you feel like maybe if this was after ironic, for instance, do you think that that would have changed your score at all? Possibly if it, I was, yeah, if there was a better transition, because I just feel like they went from from something really high energy and, and very raw and powerful. And then they just they just pull the rug out from under you and you just land awkwardly. Yeah. I would say that I, if I could move it, um, obviously, 33 million people don't seem to have a problem with it. No. Um, 
But no, and, yeah, and me neither. I think it's important to the record, I think, for the, and you know, yeah. when somebody said they made a musical of this, I thought, you know what? Absolutely. It makes complete sense. And this would probably musical. be the first song in that. It was incredible. I actually did see the musical. Um, it was really great, but, but I agree. Um, this is not one of my favorites. I love the story it tells, but it's not the one that I want to like cry to or blast in the car. Um, but I think if I could move it around, I would do you ought to know in the hand in my pocket may be perfect and then right through you just because it feels like a little bit better of a transition. Um, I think if you stacked it at the end of the album, you're not the doctor or um, Mary Jane or anything. Those are, those are kind of some of the more like acoustic based ones as well. So it would get lost in there. So I understand why one of them up there, but I would even say maybe put not the doctor there and swap places as well. I, I like it. We're going to put together a playlist. This is this is Kaylee's production of Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> I am obsessed with track listings. And if you could have seen my, um, do you know that picture from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's got like all the pictures on the wall with the yarn attached to them like he's solving a murder case and he's pointing to it like a crazy person. Do you know the picture I'm talking about? I don't. I didn't watch it. Like, they use it as a meme on Twitter, but basically okay. he's like, it's it's like like when somebody go a detective goes crazy and is trying to solve a case and he's got it all over the hotel walls, whatever. That's what my wall looked like when I was trying to figure out the track listing for my album. There you go. I take it very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked we've talked to a few few uh, guests who you you can tell when you listen to their records that sequencing was a big deal for them and, and I think I think Open Book has uh, has some good sequencing as well. I think you nailed it. So good job. Um, all right. So Wayne, you've already said this is your least favorite. So Kaylee, your score? Uh, five. And this is my six. So dropped all the way from 11 to six. Um, all right. Here's Hand in My Pocket. Wayne, get us started on this since you like the song a little more than I do. I love this song. A lot of it, um, I don't know that she gets enough credit as a harmonica player. I mean, I don't think teen, can, you know, Canadian teen dance pop singers probably play the harmonica. So she probably learned this in a for very short period of time. And I think she uses it to its maximum in this uh, unlike, like, whereas I have some complaints about Bob Dylan and Neil Young, where they put their harmonica solos, she places it just perfectly, especially in this one. But I also, what I love about this song is these, these contradictory I don't know, themes that she puts together that they're, but they're not, you know, and shows that they're not exclusive of each other, you know, where I'm sick and I'm pretty and I'm brave and I'm chicken shit. And I mean, I'm, I'm tired, but I'm working all these things. And it just, and it just flows. And I just, I've always liked this song. Oh, and I always love how they changed. I love how they changed the last line to "It's never the same." That's one of the things that I I think is that can't be easy to do. 
but she found you know five you know five or six things to do with her hands that were different every time yeah it's it's just such a um it's so anthemic um and it really reminds me of like everything um her song everything i forget what album that was off of i think it was um I can't remember what album it was on, but she has a song called Everything, and it feels like the grown-up version of Hand in My Pocket, and it's very, like, her um, being, like, admitting to the dichotomy of her personality, which is what makes her so interesting, is that she is so vulnerable, but she is so strong, that she is so um, funny, but she is so, like, melancholy, Um, and all of these different things that make her so complex and make her fascinating as a person and a writer. And even as a vocalist where she can go so pretty. And and one of the things that really drew me to her when I was a kid was that she wasn't always concerned with sounding beautiful. She wanted to get the point across. And that's, that's I think, something that can hold women back in rock music. Um, you know, if you think of songs like I'm Good by Better Than Ezra, like that's such a weird thing to do with your voice, but it's so hooky and a lot of women don't go there because there's all this pressure to be like the best girl in choir class. And she can sound so beautiful and like a songbird, but then also like drill it home and, and do something crazy that just makes you feel. Um, and hand in my pocket just feels like a really um, just beautiful way to own all of those pieces of her. Yeah. Everything is on so-called chaos, which yeah, is so-called. Yes. Which is probably the one album of hers I've never listened to. Uh, don't sue me, Alanis. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, one thing I didn't say was this was the second single from the record that was released as a single, the second single nearly five months after the release. And it was a number one alternative song and uh, number four on the mainstream charts. And this was also number one in Canada, which is what you ought to know didn't do in Canada. Apparently, the Canadians t- took them a little That's long. the F word. It's too polite. Yeah, exactly. It's not polite enough. It's not polite enough. Um, the Tim Hortons, eh? Yeah, beauty. Um, all right, let's get some scores on Hand in My Pocket. So, Wayne? A 10. And then Kaylee? I give it an 8. And this is my 4. And this is... Next song, which is right through you. say about this song because this song kicks butt <laughs> i agree i will say this just like uh when you ought to know came out everybody talked about who it was and the people who are mentioned they know who they are in this one is who we may not know who this record guy is but he absolutely knows who he is yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh definitely a song about sleazy uh record people um 
you know, especially the whole, you know, wine dine 69 me, um, rather than actually supporting the musical careers of, of female artists. Um, so going, going back to the entertainment weekly article, uh, one, one thing that, uh, that was written about this was, um, that, it said I had a friend named Steve Greenberg. So this is this is Glenn talking. He said I had a friend named Steve Greenberg who worked at Atlantic Records in New York. Sent him some songs. The songs were "You Ought to Know," "You Learn," "Head Over Feet," "Hand in Pocket," "Hand in My Pocket." Um, he called the next day and said, "This is the best tape submission I've ever gotten in my life. I want her." So she went to New York, met with the people at Atlantic, and Steve's bosses said, "We don't want to sign her." So Steve quit his job and said, if I can't sign this artist, then what am I doing? And we wrote the song called Right Through You right after that. It's basically her response to that rejection. And even though it's kind of a, it's an angry song, but I think, Wayne, back to your point of you ought to know, it's the, I don't know, maybe it's not completely angry because I feel like she's she's in control of this. She's like, I know what you guys are doing. You guys are slime balls, and I see right through you. This is my this is my favorite song on the album. Um, I I have been covering this on my on my headlining tour because it's just being a woman in the industry, especially in a genre that's really hard on women, as we have talked plenty about. Um, there's so many people I would just love to scream this song in their face. Um, you know, because I've been in the industry since I was a teenager, um, not nearly as young as she was. But you just see so many things happen. And, um, you know, I've had people tell me that I shouldn't be an artist, that, um, you know, like I had someone when I first moved to town, I sent them a batch of songs. They worked at my um, performing rights organization. And they were like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure you really have anything great here. Um, it's a really tough town, you know, it, unless it's really hard for people to make it, you might want to think about doing something else. Wow. <laughs> Um, and you know, I also had a, um, someone on my team who would constantly, you know, say like, you know, uncomfortable things or comment on my weight or just really inappropriate things. Um, and so this song really makes me think of that situation and it's, it's hard to find songs that describe such a particular emotion. So I know that I'm a little biased when it comes to this song because it's like, feels like a journal entry for me. But my favorite part of this is just like when you listen to it now, you're in on the joke when she sings, hello, Mr. Man, you didn't think I'd come back. And then now that I'm missing, now that I'm a zillionaire, you scan the credits for your name and wonder why it's not there. Like, I just get chills because the album had sold zero copies when she wrote the song. You know, she had no no idea, but she knew. She knew she was onto something great and she put that on there and it all happened. You know, it's just incredible to, you know, and then when you listen to this on the um, acoustic version, she sings it differently with a different energy because she's like, you know, I was missing and I am a billionaire and uh, you're, this guy's definitely rolling and just very upset about his decision. So that's just beautiful poetic justice in my opinion. It is. I love I love those those moments of self fulfilling prophecies that you know. Yes. Those are great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get some scores. Uh, this is my twelve. Kaylee. Thirteen. 
and Wayne? I seven. All right. Leads us to forgiven. deluxe version alanis even says that this song is her straight up jesus song (laughs) so there you go what do you guys have to say about this song i you know what i think i'm not catholic and i'm never i wasn't from a religious family so there's not it doesn't i just never really related to it and it, it but musically i like what it does and i also once again i think it's important to the whole record because it's another aspect of, I mean, of her, of her life, but I never, it's one of those ones that I never, I just never could relate to, to never connect to it. Okay. That is completely fair. Cause it's definitely just like right through you. It's definitely very, I, I guess a niche topic you could say. Um, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I grew up in a very um, uh, toxically evangelical environment. I think it's probably the best way to put it. And I read an interview with her talking about this where she was like, I was literally brought up to believe that if I had sex before I was married, I was going to go to hell and I would spend the rest of eternity on fire. <laughs> and as a line that's like, I confess my darkest sins to an envious man, the yeah. concept of, you know, I mean, I actually got kicked out of a private school because I got into an argument with a pastor during our um, theology class when I was 12. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so I really, I just love this song so much because it's like, you know, she's so much smarter and, and she was so young and, and being able to look at that and see that it was a flawed system. Um, it's just, it's very beautifully stated. And I think that the its usage in the musical was so powerful. Um, and that was the song I was really hoping that they would, they would really um, give a moment to shine in the music and the musical, and they did. You're making me want to go see the musical. Oh, you have to. Yeah. Although I sobbed for three hours. I mean, <laughs> I was like, "Don't, just don't wear mascara that day." Okay. <laughs> I, I will not. I'll leave the mascara. At home. You got it. Yeah, there's there's some really good religious imagery going on in this too, because you know you you already talked about the confession thing and um you know she talks about in the name of the father the skeptic and the son she says oh I'll, I'll, okay. I'll suffer the consequence of this inquisition if i jump in this fountain will i be forgiven i mean there's there's all sorts of religious imagery going on here i just i'm kind of like you wayne i haven't completely connected on this song though i there are some things that i i like about it which is probably why i gave it a higher score was just because of the whole lyrical content i look if you're going to throw that kind of imagery on me being the lyric guy yeah you're going to get a little bit higher score for that so 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 wayne what do you got for a score on this a three and 
Kaylee and I will both forgive you. Um, this is my eight. <laughs> I hope so. Get it? <laughs> it was a 10 for me. There you go. All right. And since I just bought the record uh, this week, um, I can say I know at this point this is where we flip the record over. So here's the fourth single off the record. This is You Learn. was another big song um alternative song chart number seven mainstream top 40 number one um and in canada because they didn't say the f word on this song so it was number one in canada too there you go <laughs> um all right so i know that there is a lot of of skepticism or debate on what the jagged little pill really is because this is this is where they get the title for the record. So she she essentially says that it's just a hard pill to swallow, a jagged little pill. But if you don't go to Urban Dictionary for the definition, <laughs> I don't know why you do this to yourself. I don't know why I do it either. I just I'm just saying don't don't go to Urban Dictionary for the definition of this. This was another song that just was everywhere. Right, Wayne? Back in 95, 96? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. And this one, I can say this is another instance where she shows her maturity because I don't even think I realized at the time that you learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And that's what this, this whole song is about. All these, all this stuff, you're, you're learning, you know, the broken hearts, the mistake. And I love the last line about the fire truck coming up around the bend to another catastrophe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask if if somebody could completely explain that because maybe I just maybe I've avoided the the real big catastrophes in life. So, what the line right before it where it says "melted down," you're going to have to eventually, anyways. What what are we, what is she melting down? Is it just her emotions? Uh, yeah, I would I would assume so. Okay, you wear it out. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, ex experience the whole. You know, all of this. I could say some. Like, you learn, you learn from, from the bad stuff. I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that um, personally, it's like, it's just a very like bite the bullet song. I think that that's kind of like what, what the jagged little pole means. Um, this is like, to me, the kind of piece I want from Alanis Morissette. Like when, when she dives into the more peaceful side of herself and more introspective, like this is what I want. And she delivered on that. And it's, it doesn't lose any of its angst, but like there was this one, um, 
one time I had like said some really dumb stuff during a breakup and I woke up the next morning and I was like, why did you do that? Like it was, it was one of the very few moments in my life where I was like, we should have a filter and we did not. And by we, I mean my multiple personalities. <laughs> um, and, and I listened to the song the next day and I was like, I feel better <laughs> about my bad choice yesterday evening. You'll live, you'll learn, you'll cry, you know, and, and it's just like, it's so inspirational without being schmaltzy or like trite in any way, shape or form. And that's so hard to do as a songwriter. Absolutely. Let's get some scores on you learn. Um, Wayne. No. Was eight. All right. Kaylee, your score. Mine was that. Okay. Leads us to head over feet. This was released as the album's fifth single and uh, was a little bit of a kinder song. Uh, This was the first number one hit on Billboard's adult top 40 chart, Um, but it also hit on the mainstream chart as well. And hey, it was number one on the Canadian chart, too. I guess it was it was uh, mellow enough for the Canadians as well. Didn't chart as high on the alternative chart, uh, so it peaked at 25 on the alternative chart, which is where I think the alternative channels started kind of moving away from Alanis was during this song. Is that is that pretty fair, Wayne? Um, gosh, yeah, I didn't know they ever ran, they moved away from her. I thought we patiently waited for her follow up. I just think this is interesting because it's the only what could be considered happy song. I mean, everything is angsty, uh, melancholy, broken hearts, religious repression, uh, neglectful parents. Uh, This is the only one that, I mean, the girl's in love. I just hope it's not Dave Coulier. That's the only, that's my only concern. You're like, Alanis, we know how this ends. Don't do it. Don't do it. Exactly. Well, I just, I feel like this song, I, I've heard incredible a lot of songs that love songs. And obviously this was like the first one. Somebody in the label was like, okay, we need something that we can send to adult contemporary radio. That It, it mostly just sticks out to me because I feel like it's, it's not as multifaceted as the rest of the album and the rest of her catalog in the future. Like her love songs on every other album are just a lot more all-encompassing. And this one feels like a little bit more one-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's kind of the only reason I'm not crazy about it. All right, let's get some scores. Um, So what do we got? Head over feet. This is my five. Wayne? Uh, Great harmonica. And I'm I'm just happy to hear her happy. So I give it a six. There you go. And Kaylee. And the resident angsty girl gave it a three. 
There you go. <laughs> All right. Mary Jean is the next song. And let's just get this out of the way. The song is not about marijuana. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, listening to the deluxe version, um, she says that uh, that came later. So it's not about marijuana. <laughs> so I saw her opening week of the um, the musical. She sang Jagged Little Pill acoustic top to bottom at the Apollo. And it was incredible i think i just manifested tickets i don't even know how i managed to make it happen but i had one day off on tour it happened to line up perfectly i was already in new york city it was perfect um but she was talking before the song and she said she was like she's like i really like that you know my songs can mean a lot of things to a lot of people she's like but one time this, this woman comes up to me and she was like i love your song mary jane because i too um fell in love with my um, my lesbian professor, and she was like, "What? <laughs> that is not what the song is about." No, and this, like I don't even know where she got that from, but it's definitely a little bit more um, open ended and less literal than the rest of the songs because she is a pretty literal writer, which is one of my yeah. favorite things about her. But yeah, this one is is a lot more open ended, and but fun fact, not about a lesbian teacher. No, no, um, yeah, it's definitely about. Someone who definitely is trying to take all of her time to please everyone around her, but ends up not taking any time for herself. And um, the fact that Alanis picked, you know, Mary Jane as the as the the name of the woman, which sometimes refers to an average woman being a Mary Jane. Um, I will speak from experience here because I. I married a Mary Jane and there's nothing plain or average about my, my wife. Um, I married well, and I'm not really sure where I'm going with the rest of this other than, um, <laughs> first of all, it, you're pandering clearly, but, uh, I, I, I think it's much, I also, I think it's a bigger term too. I think it's, I mean, I think some of these songs it's personal and she, they, they have a feel of a bigger, broader, concept like all like all young women in their 20s go through similar you know similar instances a lot of these things i mean you're you're just you're out on your own and you're trying to find your way and sometimes you're 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 going full speed ahead the wrong way it's all a roller coaster ride i think my biggest problem with this is it's not it doesn't it's not terribly memorable like when it comes on i'm like oh yeah mary jane but when i I see the title in the, in the list. I'm like, what song is that again? I don't, I can't really, I can't really place it until I hear it. It's, it's a Mary Jane. It's an average song. It is a Mary Jane song. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, let's get some scores on this. Uh, Kaylee? I gave this one a four. And then Wayne? I gave this one a two. Yeah, I'm matching your two. Which leads to ironic. Was afraid to fly. He packed his suitcase. Kissed his kids goodbye. He waited his whole damn life to take that. This was the third single from the album. Yeah, this was huge. And you wouldn't know Kaylee because, you know, you were one. But um, it was a yeah, big song. To watch MTV. It was a big song back in the day. And, yeah, it was on MTV like every 20 minutes. Um, I rem- The music video is great. But I remember um, hearing this in every Goodwill my entire childhood. It was just like every, like, you know, like one of those like adult contemporary stations that they play in the background. Like this was always like the song. And I feel like I was in a goodwill the first time. I, heard it. <laughs> um, I challenge you and anyone listening to go into a goodwill, spend enough time there and try not to hear ironic by a lot. Of there you, you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, even 25 years later, it's getting, it still gets lots of airplay. Um so Glenn had to say this. He said, ironic is my favorite song in the record. It almost didn't even make it. And I kind of pushed that one to make it. I liked it musically and I like the playfulness of it, but also her take on what she says in the bridge. Life has a funny way of helping you out when you think everything's going wrong. And it's a really astonishing tack take is what he said. So yeah, she, she even tried to kill it. And yeah, um, she still says, everybody says, yeah, it's not that these things aren't ironic. She gets it. Just live with it. So there you go. It's like every English teacher's least favorite song. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite things about this song is the, um, the, in the bridge, the, uh, it's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. It's meeting the man of my dreams and meeting his beautiful wife. The original line was, it's like meeting the man of my dreams and meeting his beautiful husband. And her label wouldn't let her put it out because it was 1995. Oh, wow. So they had her change it. And now every single show, she sings husband. And when I cover this song with my band, we sing husband. And, and people still just think it's the funniest thing on the planet. But that's like, I mean, it just it's, it's a great line, period. But when you throw that in there, it's like so good and it's nice to know that we live in a world now where that would be kept off the radio right exactly um all right anything else wayne did you want to dissect any of these lyrics any of these no i thought it always got what's funny is i think the irony is not like pulitzer prize winning but i mean it is to a certain degree i mean maybe tenuous but most of it is the one that always everybody seems to have one 
one sequence that they dislike. I, I've heard people go on and on about the 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife, which I think that is somewhat ironic. If you have all this silverware, but just not the one you actually need, then that is a little bit ironic. Um, I, the one I don't like is uh, black fly in your Chardonnay. Just because the fly is black in your white wine, you're not supposed to have bugs in your wine. That's not ironic. Right. But I think it's more ironic than people gave it credit for. And I thought people, I thought people put too much into it. Like I get over it. It's, it's somewhat, each of them are mostly ironic to a certain degree. I can say. Yeah. You you wouldn't, you wouldn't make an Academy award winning, you know, Tarantino wouldn't make a movie out of this, but it's still, it's, it still has some ironic nature. Yeah. I agree about the 10,000 spit. That's definitely that definitely fits the definition of irony. Yeah. Well, you you're afraid to fly, then the, you fly and it crashes. Like that's a, <laughs> that's got to be something that's somewhat ironic that you avoided yeah. flying your whole life, and then when you did, you crashed. It's exactly what you thought you would do. Yeah. And you know what I was doing in um, 1996, right, Wayne? I Trying was right up. Great American novel. Well, I was, yeah, I was graduating from college with an English degree. So yeah, there were, there were a lot of stuffy English majors around me who were uh, debating this. Um, So let me tell you what my score is and and let me tell you the reason why it's not because I was an English major. Um, This was one of those songs that I, my band, my cover band played back in the day and I had to do the really high harmony parts and I just really got to the point where I really hated this song. So um, the band ruined the song for me. So this is a three. If you would have asked me like five years ago uh, where this was in my scores, it probably would have been a nine or a 10. But um, yeah, I just really hate this song now. So it's a three for me. <laughs> Sorry for that it's really personal me, song. But I respect that. Yeah. No, it's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Wayne, what do you got for a score? I, you know what? I gave it a four. Um, I think against the rest of the record, it doesn't it doesn't hold up. It does have a 90s feel about it, which a lot of um, amazingly enough, a lot of these songs don't. They feel um, as contemporary today as they did back then. And this is one of the ones that doesn't. Yeah. All right. This is not the doctor. I would say the one thing that came from me re-listening to this record was I took this song for granted up until this week because previously when I used to listen to this album, I think I was pretty much done at Ironic. And that's just foolishness on my part because I really dig this song. This song is stellar. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. I honestly, I came back around to it um, after seeing this played at the Apollo, and then seeing it in the music um, in the musical, and I was like, "Oh my god, wait! This is actually one of the best songs on there." Um, unfortunately, I have five hundred favorite songs on there, so this falls more in the middle of my list. But I just think it's it's so great. Visiting hours of nine to five, and I show up at ten past six. It's just like that's country writing. 
not even the Dolly Parton nine to five thing, but just it's just so clever and clean and tight. And um, she's known for kind of going off the meter and off the rails a little bit and adding in extra syllables to words to make it work. And that's so cool. But this one is just like, it's just the chorus is just so tight and so satisfying from a structural standpoint. The chorus is fantastic. And and I just love the yeah. theme of you, you see it's too much to ask for and I'm not the doctor. Um, and it was probably a good thing that I didn't really listen to this song that much in the mid nineties because that this would have been like my theme song because <laughs> I feel like there were probably more than one girl that I dated where I felt like, you know, she, she needs me. I'm like her doctor, you know, aren't you grateful that I'm your, that I'm your boyfriend, you know, that kind of deal. And it's just, um, I'm glad I'm, I'm away from that phase in my life. Um, did did I mention how grateful I am for my wife? Did I, did I mention that? <laughs> you did. We really she, love that for you. She is uh, amazing. All right. Uh, so well, this for me, this just paints this great picture of this relationship that I I wouldn't call toxic, but that I think the two people are not right for each other because the visiting hours part creates like this for me like this rehab thing, and for her, they're open all day and she can't make it except for an hour and ten minutes late. And she doesn't care because she knows he's going to get her in. So there's this relationship where they're not necess- they're not good for each other. They may be good people, but he's clearly an addict in my mind anyway. And then she, she's not his mom. She doesn't want to be half of anything. She's not. She doesn't want to pick up the pieces. She doesn't want to be his doctor. She doesn't want to tell him what's good for him or what he should do or what he shouldn't do. Um, she's going to show up whenever she shows up, and you're going to let her in. Yeah. There you go. This pedestal is high, and I'm afraid of heights. And I'm not it's afraid of heights. Oh, so good. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I honestly like. I wish I could have put this one higher, but I have so many favorites, and this is a newer favorite for me. But yeah, and that's the best thing about this album is there's so many points to fall in love and re-fall in love with songs, and that's that's how you know you made a great piece of art. Yeah, I feel like if we did this episode again a year and a half from now my scores would probably be different. So anyway. a little bit, like I say, I was dating a 25 year old girl at the time. And so I heard this a lot and I, and, and I wasn't, I didn't even, it did not even bother me. And like I say, if we, we talk about the Rolling Stone 500 and I think this is in the three hundreds, if I made that list, this would be in the top 100. Yeah. Were, were you the doctor or was she the doctor in the relationship? Oh, I'm not the doctor. I'm always showing up late. All right. Let's get some scores on this. This is my nine. Wayne. Also a nine. Kaylee. Um, this was my seven. Regretfully. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last song on the on my record. Uh, this is Wake Up.
Wayne, you like this just a little bit more than Kaylee and I do. So tell tell me tell me what you like about this. Well, also it has a it has a generational feel. Like she's you know she's she's invoking everybody. It's not just personal. It's a bigger concept. Um, I also think it really works good as the at the end. Um, it kind of you know because this is to me really this is the end of the album that the next track is completely bonus and I'll, I'll i got a whole diatribe on that so to me this is the last song and it really works good as that last song and it's like i say i think she's she's waking up more than just herself it's the her whole generation um to to you know wake up okay kaylee what 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 about yeah. you what what you got on this song you know, I think it was just one of the ones I just never listened to the most. Um, I mean, you said you stopped listening after Ironic, and I feel like I definitely, um, I didn't skip it, but typically when I was listening to it all the way through, you know, I would I would go back and I would, you know, replay Ironic over and over and then maybe get to Not the Doctor, and then by then I forgot Wake Up existed. Um, and I love the sentiment, and I agree it's a great closing track. Um I also think like hand in my pocket could have potentially been a great closing track or you learn um, just cause they're just, you know, clearly more anthemic and they were, you know, hit singles and all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, it just feels like, it feels like a good song in a sea of great songs um, and it serves its purpose on the record and I know why it's there, but it's not like a capital J jam. Yeah. Would you have been okay with this? being or having not the doctor as the the last song or do you feel like this is uh the good um exclamation for for the for the record you know i i actually think that ending on not the doctor wouldn't have been a good call so i think that this that's probably why this song was on the record honestly notice i asked you because you I, you already told us how much of a nerd you are about sequencing so i want i wanted you i wanted yeah. your thoughts wanted your thoughts on that it feels like it's a concluding paragraph that's a call to action to a large group of people but it's a lot less personal than everything else and that might be what makes me not immediately like hell yeah you know right right okay let's get some scores so uh uh this is my least favorite wayne five and kaylee one all right so, so yeah so, so here's our bonus track. So this is combination of you ought to know the Jimmy the Saint blend, which is just a really uh, <laughs> fancy way of saying it's a remix version, and then the hidden track towards the end of this eight minute long song is an acapella of your house. It said hello, love. I love you so, love. Meet me at midnight. And no, it wasn't my writing. I better go soon. It wasn't my writing. So forgive me, love, if I cry in your shower. So forgive me, love. For the salt in your belt So forgive me love If I cry all afternoon And 
I will tell you that um, I'm usually not an acapella guy. Wayne, you can attest that we've had multiple records where there's acapella on um, on the records, and usually my score is like in the toilet. Uh, for this one, is not because I I really love your house. I think that there's just this vulnerability to it, oh. and it's just. It's just a great, great song. Why it was considered a "quote unquote" hidden track and not just I, just throw it, total, throw, throw it I on the record. But I think it adds. No, I don't. I disagree. I think that it needs to be a hidden track because it has this mystique to it. And I, I say so. Bear with me. So okay. it is completely beautiful. She carries this song all by herself, and it's amazing. And the 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 thing that I think is most cool about it is is the subtle but obvious change in her voice when she reads the le- the verse where she reads the letter. I think that's amazing. And I don't think just anybody can do that. But the best, like yeah. say, the reason that I allow this terrible remix that softens the hard, sharp edges of this unbelievable song is because they couldn't afford, first of all, you can't, this has to be attached to you ought to know because it's the same person. It's the same relationship. It's just a different day and a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, they couldn't leave that to chance. Like they, you had to know that. And since sequencing 101 says you can't put the single at the end of the record and you can't put a hidden track after track two, then they had to do something. So I cut them slack because I felt like their hands were tied because if you listen to this, it's the same relationship and the same person, she's just not, she still broke into his house and is listening to his CDs and using his shower, but she's just not as frantic and as anxious as she is and you ought to know. But they couldn't, I don't think she could leave it to chance that you don't make that connection. I think it had to piggyback off of you ought to know. I like it. Kay- Kaylee, any? Uh, I think that's a really, a really great point. The song has, has grown on me um, over time especially, you know, giving it a listen this week, but it's just so hard to find a place for it because I have so many favorites. But um, yeah, acapellas are never usually my favorite thing, Um, but she has such a crazy, intricate voice. It's cool to let it shine without a bunch of production happening around it. Um, But this song, like, I can't help but wonder if um, Girl Crush by Little Big Town would have ever existed if this song didn't exist first it's there's so many parallels and it's that super vulnerability of just like admitting to uncomfortable things I mean and I don't really have a doubt that she actually did this and that's what makes the song great (laughs) she's not making this up I think this actually happened and that makes it so much cooler yeah yeah all right let's get some scores and wrap this up so Wayne uh 12 and Kaylee. Oh, wow. This is two for me. Okay. And this is my 10. Um, and again, this is like super surprise for me. Cause again, I'm not an acapella guy at all, but I just, your house is, it's great. All right. So this is usually the part where I go, uh, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I feel like this is very comprehensive. I think we yeah. had, I think we got it. Um, any surprises? What number one is? Uh, no, that would be you ought to know. Uh, number two, all I really want. Uh, what do you think number three is based off of our cumulative scores? 
with a 10.66 average score? Oh, um, not the doctor. Mm, that is number four. I'll give you a hand hint. in pocket. Oh. I'll oh. give you a, I'll give you a hint, Kaylee. It's your favorite song. Oh, right through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And then it's a pretty uh, good top four. Yeah, and then n- number five, based off of Wayne and my really high scores, is your house. Just missing out was hand in my pocket and forgiven and you learn all of those were were real close but i don't know usually this is where i go uh that's a pretty solid top five no i think for this record i need like eight songs i i yeah yeah i need a top eight instead of a top five so very fair yeah when you have so many smash singles off an album it's hard to because then you obviously have your favorite album cuts but you can't deny like the absolute smashes you know yeah well except yeah. for ironic so I'm, I'm i'm still <laughs> never hearing that song again so uh anyways uh this has been fun thanks for visiting with right. us thank you guys so much all right well remind all of our listeners where they can find all the happenings of kaylee shore um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, TikTok, at Kaylee Shore, K-A-L-I-E-S-H-O-R-R. Yeah, def- definitely go follow her on Twitter because you will be entertained <laughs> for a certain. Oh, thank you. For a I'm certain. so bummed I'm going to be in Las Vegas on the 22nd. I'm just going to miss the show. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, so 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 last question, Kaylee. Um, we ask all of our guests this. So who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Oh well, I'm I've already done Jaggy Little Pills, so she'll have to find another one, but I'm actually on the road with um, my friend Maggie Rose right now and she asked if she could crash this podcast taping. So <laughs> I'm sure she would love to do one with you. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. I'll go downstairs and ask her. All right. <laughs> We're about to go take the healing shots together. So there you go. Nice. All right. All right. So uh, as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, Twitter at Podcast Records. Find all of our episodes on Apple, Castbox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify. And you can, of course, go and find all of our previous episodes on recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. So thanks okay. for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a T-shirt of the band, um, as long as it's not a black T-shirt. Uh, buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited. And we are... Out. 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 <laughs> Perfect.